You always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Welcome to The Press Zone. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, and we're so glad that you're here with us this week. I'm joined each and every week by my fabulous co-host, the founder and uh, editor-in-chief here at Rocket Sports Media, and that's the one and only Rick Stevens. (sighs) How are you? The draft is done. Free agency has had some time to breathe. This week feels like a bit of a breath of fresh air. Lots happened last week, and uh, you can't be blamed if, uh, you know, it all sort of took your breath away with with the NHL entry draft, with some trades, with uh, some signings, with some free agency, um, players trading uh, teams, and a whole uh, goalie carousel, and um, yeah. And we're officially in the offseason. Again. Again. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is odd because, you know, we should be a couple weeks into the season already and it's going to be a bit before that happens again. Uh, but we do have a lot to talk about today in our first segment. Of course, we're going to run through the latest news and, and signings and so forth for the Montreal Canadiens and the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, as Rick said, you know, uh, we appreciate all of you who tuned in last week for both our draft preview and draft reaction shows. We had two shows last week. If you happen to miss them, be sure you go over to thepresszone.com and you'll you'll be able to find those two episodes if you want to hear um, us talk about the draft and, and how both of these teams did in the draft. Um but then uh, free agency hit. So we've got, uh, as Rick said, you know, it could be a, a bit of a whirlwind. So we'll go over uh, some new contracts for Montreal, for Philadelphia, things of that nature. And then in our second segment, uh, we actually have a very special guest interview this week. Um, he played for Montreal's St. John's Ice Caps. Uh, and actually also made it into uh, a few of Montreal's uh, NHL games as well. Had a tremendous uh, season before that, uh, playing in the NHL for the New Jersey Devils, um, and most recently has uh, played overseas, and that is one Bobby Farnham, uh, and he's. we've got a great interview coming up with him in the second segment. You won't want to miss that. And then finally, in our third segment, we've just got some news about the ECHL's next, next season. Uh, they've come out with, a, with an outline that we'll go over for you. And of course, we've always got a feel-good finale to send you off on your way feeling good. Well, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should be fun. Uh, in our first segment, okay, so we'll start with the Canadians, uh, and we're going to start with a couple of contract extensions that were signed. The first being, you know, we talked, Rick, last week about how, okay, uh, the Canadians are, are now, uh, we, we spoke um, on Thursday, I believe, in the, in the reaction show about, how, you know, Bergevin now has a you know, limited amount under the cap now. Uh, and there were still a number of contracts, a number of RFA contracts to be signed, uh, who was going to get signed, what was going to happen, things of that nature. Well, the first answer to that is that Victor Mete uh, was re-signed to a one-year contract extension, um, average annual value of $735,000. Is that league minimum, I think? Uh, yeah. Close? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Mete's back. Mete's back for another year. He is. And... Um this is this is going to be um, you know a, a, a 
prove yourself kind of con- contract. And I think that's when uh, Victor spoke to the the media. That's that's essentially what he said. Is uh, he's betting on himself uh, to have a good season. Um, you know, not not uh, the best of seasons uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, was uh, inconsistent in in the playoffs. And and um, now you know with the. Uh, the, the caveat that he was playing on his wrong side through throughout the playoffs and he's just a different player when he's not um, playing at position right. and um, but uh, that that's where he that's where he was able to fit and now he'll have a chance to to prove that um, you know uh, he can do a little bit more than he did last year Absolutely. And this was a, a contract that I was happy to see Mark Bergevin uh, get signed. I do believe that Victor Meta deserves another year to to try to right the ship a little bit. And as you say, uh, you know, th- there are some players who are um, quite comfortable being playing out of position. And then there are plenty of players who simply struggle playing out of position. And Victor Meta is young, don't forget. He's 22. Um, so I think giving him some time and space and and putting him in the proper positions and f- and in a position to succeed could be good for him this coming season. I just don't understand why the Canadians keep doing that. Um, yeah. They have not had very good success playing putting players in in uh, positions that, that they aren't accustomed to. And, you know, uh, sounds like they're going to do that again with, um, with Someone a, new who's <laughs> a right winger that they've brought, brought in uh, when, right. uh, the, you know, the deck is pretty stacked with, with respect to, to the right wing. Of course. Before we get to that, however, there was one other contract extension. This one, I, I'm sorry to say, if you're a fan of, of this uh, forward, um, I, I apologize in advance, but I groaned out loud when I saw that this contract extension was put out there and that it is a two-year contract extension for Xavier Ouellette. Uh Two-year, two-way um, you know, look, I don't have anything against Xavier Willett as a person. <laughs> I have everything against Xavier Willett playing um, in the NHL, uh, basically. I, I thought he was used way too much uh, in the NHL this year. Um, and the, I, Rick, we talked about in the, in, the, in the return to play how it didn't take long before you could start to see people on Twitter saying, okay, I've seen enough of Xavier Willett. Um, uh, listen, he he just um, he his his ability to process the game at the NHL level isn't there. It hasn't been there. Um, uh, you know, even when he was back back in in the Detroit days, uh, and we saw him swimming a lot in the playoffs. I mean, he he works hard. He does, uh, but it just isn't there. And the difficulty in putting him at in uh, Laval is that. The coach likes to use him and use him a lot and use him, you know, on all the spe- in all special teams uh, circumstances, using him as the top defensive pairing, and that just takes time away from uh, players who who could use that time. Um, so it's, you know, uh, is is um, is the two year contract there so that the Canadians have someone to expose to um, Seattle. The, yeah, the expansion draft maybe, um, but uh, I, you know, I I I would hope that uh, there were will be opportunities for Noah Juleson and Josh Brook and Kale Flurry if if they're doing well at the AHL level to come up and take a spot. Uh, on the Canadians' blue line in in the NHL. I hope so. I'm sure the fact also that he has served as the captain for the Rocket for the last two years carried some weight with it as well. Um, And okay, you know, the the fans like him. Uh, He fits into the local culture well, and and yeah. But as you say, he's he's overused in situations. um, So hope to see that get corrected a little bit this year. So that leads us then to some new contracts that have been signed. Um, the first one, Rick. Um, hmm. Now get out that list. I, I'm sure it's actually probably a few pages long now of um, forwards that are available for the Laval Rocket. Well, you can add Brandon Baddock to the list. 
a two-year one a two-way one-year contract um 700,000 in the NHL, 110,000 in the AHL. Uh, you'll, uh, if you're an AHL fan, um, you'll recognize that name. Uh, he's a 25 year old who played with the Binghamton Devils this past year, uh, six foot three, 220 pound centerman. Um, and for the third straight season had more than 100 penalty minutes in the AHL. Does that ring any bells? Well, he's there. I mean, yeah, go to go to uh, the 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 hockey fights uh, the YouTube channel and and uh, there's plenty there for you to watch with yeah. Brandon Baddock. As far as relating to the Canadians organization, um, I spoke about him uh, on the Canadians Connection this past weekend about him uh, going toe to toe with Nicholas Delorier in uh, Yes Barry Kotkaniemi's first preseason game ever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he also uh, dropped the gloves with Michael Pozzetta this past January yep. uh, in uh, when they were playing when uh, the Devils were playing Laval, and uh, a very lively and spirited uh, fight um, <laughs> when Bobby Farnham, Bobby Farnham, coming up in our uh, second segment uh, when Bobby was with Springfield. Uh, he had a, a a fight with uh, Brandon Baddock uh, that is classic Bobby Farnham, and it might Bobby be Farnham, one of the best fights I've ever. Well, watched. it's it's just hilarious, and and Bobby Farnham is giving up six inches in height and thirty pounds in weight, and and uh, did pretty well. Sneakily did pretty well, and then uh, celebrated. It was it was quite entertaining. Hands down, Bobby Farnham won that fight. <laughs> Ask anyone in the building that night. Uh-huh, Bobby Farnham yeah. won that fight. I don't care what and anybody Springfield says. Springfield won that game six to two as well. Well, well, and they were up. They were the, the fight <laughs> happened with it. five minutes left. The, the, they were already leading six to two. There was no reason in the world for the for the fight, but uh, other than to entertain the fans. God bless you, Bobby Farnham. You really you, you're going to love this interview in the second segment for sure. Uh, so Brandon Baddock uh, joins joins the crew. So where where does he fit in 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 that la- laundry list of forwards? I mean, my goodness. Well, apparently he's there to protect the the, the young prospects. Oh, I guess. I guess. Now the big deal for the Canadians. Um, we talked a little bit in in our last show about how uh, Josh Anderson did get signed before free agency, um, but once f- we got into free agency. Did anybody have on their bingo card that the Canadians would sign Tyler Toffoli to a four-year deal? <laughs> uh, well, they did, and uh, it's uh, that's that's it's quite a catch for Mark Bergevin. Um, Rick, I know when you and I first saw that hit the news, we we um, well, and even Mike Rashel, uh, our our teammate Mike Rashel, mentioned this in our team chat as well that um, the term is a little question marky um but tyler Tafoli could could bring some skill um but as you say they're already making hints to see if he wants to play on the left side right yeah that's that's the thing that's um that that's always hard to you know i i, I see that the canadians fans are saying well he can play the the left wing um yeah just he can play the left wing like Carey Price can play center. He can, but he's better used where, you know, uh, where his strengths are. And the same goes for Toffoli. Toffoli's played a couple of games uh, in junior and a couple of games in Los Angeles um, on the left side. But if if you're looking at his numbers, the 20 to 25 goal scorer, and, and you know, that comes on from the right side. So, um, apparently Mark Bergevin during the negotiations said, are you willing to play the left side? And, and what is he going to say? No, yeah. <laughs> he says, of course. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but is that the best place for him? And so, uh, the Canadians will have, you know, some shuffling to do. Um, and, uh, but they, you know, they have a very r- uh, strong right side and, uh, not so strong, uh, left side. And, uh, Mark Bergevin still has some time to, uh, number one, first he has to free up some cap space because the Canadians are presently just over the cap. Uh, so he'll have to do something there, either by uh, trading away a player uh, or by uh, sending someone to uh, Laval. 
Uh, and then, then next, it will be Claude Julian to try and figure out where all these pieces uh, are, are are best deployed. So, for all of those Canadians fans who are saying, "Oh, well, yeah, he says he can play on the left," remember how chipper and optimistic you you are about that when they force him to play on the left, and he doesn't have the kind of season Tyler Toffoli is used to having. R- remember why. Um, we've seen that Rick, we actually just even talked about this with Victor Meta and, and this, this, um, this obsession that the Canadians have with, I, I understand players are asked to be versatile, but you know, you, you go back as far as even Galchenyuk and, and experiments with moving him around, uh, positionally didn't work out. Uh, Max Domi just got traded. There was always, you know, where should he play? Is he playing on the wing or is he a centerman? Um, and I and I just don't want that. I don't want to see that happen with Tyler Toffoli. I'd like to see sign someone who's expected to put up big points, be pro- be productive offensively, and just let him play the game that he that he's good at playing. You're an Eagles fan. Shush. Can Carson Wentz throw a ball with his left hand? Probably, but probably, not, probably, but yeah. but I'd rather he throw with his right. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> yeah. So let's keep our fingers crossed that they figure out a way to, to put Toffoli on, on the right side where he belongs. Um, or that maybe he's a little more comfortable on the left than he's alluding to if he ends up having to play there. Uh, I just don't want to see this backfire again, uh, particularly when you've signed him to a four-year term. Um, so speaking of, we were wondering, okay, so all, as Rick just said, they're slightly over cap at this point. Uh, we were wondering about who was not going to get signed, who was of the RFAs. Well, it looks like, um, I don't know that if, I don't know that it's officially been announced yet, but Charles Sudan, it seems will not be playing in North America next season. Uh, it seems that he is heading, the, the reports out are that he is heading to Lausanne, um, and will be playing, over in um, Switzerland. So um, it's a little bit of, I, I, f- I feel badly for Charles Houdon. Um, not that playing in Europe right now is, is a terrible thing, but I think that the past year or so, he, his, his contract and his where he's at could have been handled better, uh, that maybe he would have been able to um, sign with a different NHL team or, or even garner a trade. He was hoping for a trade. Yeah. Uh, he said so in the media. His his agent said so. Um, he said so to us uh, a, a, a long time ago. Um, he he needs a fresh start. Uh, the difficulty is that the Canadians play a speed game, and Charles Sudan isn't a speedy skater uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he he scores goals in the AHL because he goes to the right spots. And um, he's found it much more difficult to do uh, in the NHL. And, and um, you know, he's had plenty of opportunity in the, the top six um, because he's not the kind of guy that you can deploy on the fourth line. Uh, defensively, it, it, you know, it's not there. He doesn't play a physical game. So I think he needs um, a chance with a different NHL team that maybe plays a different style. Uh, but for now, uh, as you said, it's it looks like it's going to be Switzerland, and and even that's kind of complicated. Yeah. Uh, he quickly packed his bag and got on a plane on Saturday, and uh, went to Switzerland, met with uh, the representatives of of the Lausanne team, and the reason it was also hastily um, arranged for him is because the uh, Switzerland's Office of Public Health has uh, added Canada to its red list and Ooh. and um, meaning that anyone uh, coming from Canada must do a 10-day quarantine and that went into effect on Monday. So uh, Charles and his agent uh, quickly arranged for him to get there before the quarantine before the quarantine requirements were in place. Uh, so that wouldn't uh, have any effect. And now what's happened is that he can't sign a contract till he has the visa. So he's waiting for the visa to be processed. Then a contract will be signed and the announcement will be made. But, uh, you know, you can pretty well uh, guarantee, unless there's issues with the, the visa, that uh, he's going to be playing in Switzerland. And with Lausanne, uh, under head coach uh, Craig McTavish, he'll have... Uh, 
maybe uh, uh, recognizable faces in Tim Bozen, uh, mm-hmm. formerly a prospect, prospect with the Canadians, and uh, Mark Barbario, um, who uh, who played in St. John's for a bit. Absolutely. So we wish Charles the best of luck. Um, and I should say that that the Canadians qualified. Uh, they did. Uh, Houdon. So um, you know, once the season's over in Switzerland, there is the potential that. Uh, he could return or could be traded. That's true, because they retain his negotiating rights. Um, I should mention one thing that Rick just said made me think, you know, and some of you may may say, well, wait a minute, Switzerland is putting Canada in, in as one of their, their red countries. Yes, uh, we have talked about this, that unfortunately, uh, case count, particularly in Quebec, um, but also in Ontario uh, for COVID-19, is starting to go into kind of second wave numbers. You're seeing it here in the U.S. as well. Um, so this is your weekly reminder from all of us here at Rocket Sports. Please be safe. Please social distance. Please wear a mask. Please wash your hands. Um, and and remember that just because we're seeing professional sports being played on television right now, uh, does not mean that we are anywhere close to a, a typical sense of normalcy uh, in day to day life and even in sports. And there's still a lot up in the air for for next season. So uh, that's just kind of a stark reminder uh, in hearing about how quickly Charles and his agent had to act. Um, because there are other factors at play. Switching gears now to the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, they also had, they were a little less active, um, but made a couple of of contract signings, uh, one of which is defenseman Derek Pouliot um, to a one-year two-way contract. Um, He has most recently played in the St. Louis Blues organization, spent most of last season playing for the San Antonio Rampage, um, but uh, also has over 200 NHL games uh, in his in his resume uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Vancouver Canucks and the Blues. Um, Also means that he's played for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Uh, and as we said, the the San Antonio Rampage as well. Uh, it's funny, you know, Rick, that, so Derek Pouliot gets signed. The big, um, the big quote last week from Chuck Fletcher was, and we talked about it on the show, was Chuck Fletcher saying, <laughs> I have a lot of fun trying to replace Matt Niskanen. Um, he's going to be a tough guy to replace. Uh, and our friend Bill Meltzer was quick to note on Twitter that no, Derek Pouliot does not replace Matt Niskanen. This is not a picking up a new defenseman because um, in Derek Pouliot because he's going to replace Matt Niskanen. Um, and neither is the other signing that they did, which is Eric Gustafson. Um, we can kind of talk about the two of them together. They they signed Eric Gustafson to a one-year deal. Um, and... He most recently came from the Calgary Flames, who was traded there last year from the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, And so adding more to the depth on the blue line, Rick, with uh, Pouliot and Gustafson. It's funny how quickly things change. And after the uh, Flyers were ousted from the playoffs, there was all kinds of talk about um, you know, perhaps uh, one of Voracek or Giroux had to go. The Gossespierre was on the move, that uh, Braun wouldn't be re-signed. And then all of that seemed to, uh, things seemed to to uh, change quickly uh, once uh, Matt Niskanen announced his retirement. Uh, and then Justin Braun was signed. And, and uh, Chuck Fletcher uh, this past week has said, you know, well, uh, he has uh, hopes that that maybe things can um, work out with Gostaspier and uh, maybe Nicholas Abe Kubel can be given a bigger load. And it seems like he is um, was was more content with the the folks he had than going out and and making big changes to the lineup uh, during during the free agency period. And that's got to be tough for. Flyers fans who were, you know, there was there was uh, talk, or at least the the Flyers had interest in Patrick Lina, and uh, apparently there was there was talk uh, that happened, and and that fell apart. Uh, that Flyers fans were thinking about Petrangelo, and and maybe uh, that would be a uh, you know a, a part of the the fix on on the defense. 
Um, but it looks like it's going to be, for the most part, status quo going into next year for the Flyers. It does. Which is not a bad thing, but it's it, it's just very different given the expectations that were out there. That's correct. Uh, one uh, piece of exciting news, we t- did talk about um, the Flyers and their draft picks last week, and they have signed the first of their entry-level contracts now, and that is fourth-round selection Zade Wisdom. Um Chuck Fletcher said, you know, we were, it was somewhat, quote, somewhat surprising to us. Wisdom was still available in the late third, and we scrambled to try to pick up an extra pick there to select him. I think he's got an understated skill level. His hands are pretty good. He has a good shot. He has good instincts. He goes to the right places on the ice. When you combine that with his relentless pursuit of pucks, his ability to forecheck and finish checks, it's a pretty attractive package. And uh, this is this is the pick. Remember, uh, they ended up trading away their 116th and 147th pick to move up to 94th to get Zaid Wisdom. Um, he uh, most recently has played for the Kingston Frontenacs. Uh, this past season, he had 29 goals and 30 assists in 62 games. Um, and he's also the recipient this year of the E.J. McGuire Award of Excellence presented uh, annually by the NHL to the candidate who best exemplifies commitment to excellence through strength of character, competitiveness, and athleticism. Uh, it's an award that Travis Konechny actually also uh, won Um a handful of years ago. So, um, Rick, it's just the first of the ELCs, um, but it seems that uh, the Flyers are pretty excited about this young man, uh, not only trading up to get him, but uh, eager to get him signed as well. Still pretty raw, and, um, you know, he had a good season in Kingston last year, and he'll be back there. He'll be yep. back to the front next, and hopefully uh, whenever the OHL season gets underway, he can um, – he can do it all over again. Absolutely. Uh, hockey apparently runs in the family as well. His uh, younger brother, Zachariah, was a sixth-round pick of the OHL's Niagara Ice Dogs this year. He went 102nd overall. Uh, so seems to be more of them coming along in the family. <laughs> so good luck to him. Um, and last but not least in this segment, uh, the Phantoms actually, there was an AHL contract uh, that took place this week. The Phantoms uh, signed defenseman Logan Day to a one-year contract. Uh, this will be his third pro season in the AHL. He's played uh, for the Bakersfield Condors uh, leading up to this point. Uh, he's got a total career 52 points with 15 goals and 37 assists. Um, and uh, he's actually a native of Florida. Uh, so that is, again, the Flyers signing two defensive contracts at the NHL level and the Phantoms filling in with one at the AHL level as well. With that, we are going to take a quick break. On the other side, we've got a great interview with Bobby Farnham, and you are not going to want to miss it. It's a fascinating interview. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today.
Welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, again joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens, and we're so glad you're back with us again. Uh, Of course, we do want to remind you, if you are on Twitter, be sure you're following us. We've got a couple of accounts that you'll want to be sure you're following. First First and foremost, and most importantly, follow us at the AHL Report. Uh, And if you're a Flyers fan and want to keep up with Flyers news, be sure you're following us at the Flyers Report as well. Uh, Before we get to to the interview we have in this segment, Rick, I did just want to make there were a slew of, uh, you know, contracts and so forth that were that were signed uh, in the last few days in the AHL. But the one that I wanted to be sure that we made mention of was the Washington Capitals signing Dan Carr to a one-year, two-way contract. Um, Montreal Canadiens fans will certainly be very familiar with Daniel Carr uh, and his abilities. Uh, He's continued to do spectacular work. Uh, He's most recently been with the Milwaukee Admirals, and uh, Ricky uh, had a pretty decent year last year, if I remember correctly. He, uh, yeah, he, he did. Uh, and, but, uh, but especially the year before. Oh, it was um, the year before. I'm sorry. I'm getting my years mixed up. We go, we, we go back a, a long way with Dan Carr and, and, uh, right back to, uh, where he was in Union College and he was signed in a free agent contract by the Canadians out of Union, uh, College after the, the Frozen Four championship, mm-hmm. uh, we were at. And we remember he was, uh, a, a, a teammate of, of, uh, Augustus Pierre and, yeah. and, uh, uh, with the Canadians, uh, played uh, for the the Montreal Canadiens, and as well as the Ice Caps uh, and Rocket. Um, he's he's all offense, um, and uh, he does it very well. The, yes, he does. The Hershey Bears tweeted uh, that the Capitals have signed forward Daniel Carr to one year two way contract. Carr was the AHL MVP in 2018 19 and has scored 121 points over the past two seasons. Zach Fish, our buddy Zach Fish, the uh, uh, broadcast voice of the Hershey Bears, said, Dan Carr is an elite player at the AHL level, mm-hmm. potential to be a huge signing for the Hershey Bears if Carr comes down to the AHL. Absolutely. Um, and that's an if. We'll see what the Washington Capitals do with him. But uh, and, I, and I do apologize. I, I, my years are running together. There was two years ago that he was the AHL MVP. He's been an AHL All-Star. Um, Dan Carr has the goods. Uh, he's very skilled. He's very good at what he does. When he played with the Canadians, uh, folks were correct to liken him to Brendan Gallagher. They have the same style of play, loves to be a pest in front of the net. Uh, has the same kind of stature that Brendan Gallagher does. But, um, you know, Dan Carr is a very good hockey player. uh, And uh, I'm excited to see what uh, the Washington Capitals organization uh, will do with him. And the fact that he's in the Capitals organization, he'll be reunited with his uh, former teammate, Zach Focali, who, as you remember, uh, was also signed by the Capitals to a two-way deal. Uh, So uh, it's, uh, it's looking like Hershey might uh, be getting a, a decent little stock there. Hmm. <laughs> um, you know, we talked about how Dan did play for the Ice Caps, and there were the, the teams that played for the St. John's Ice Caps under the Montreal Canadiens uh, moniker uh, were were very good, and we've we've talked quite a bit about uh, a number of them who uh, have gone on to play in other leagues and for other teams and so forth, but. There are certain names that we come back to time and again, um, not only for the, their their abilities on the ice, but also for the people that they are off the ice. And for us, Bobby Farnham was always one of those guys, great character. Uh, no matter win or lose, Bobby Farnham always stopped to say hello and how are you guys walking out of the arena at night uh, after a game. He's just always with a smile and a, and a kind word. Uh, and so we are really pleased to be joined with him, joined by him today for this great interview. Well, Rick, I couldn't be happier right now to uh, introduce our next guest, a uh, friend of Rocket Sports for, for what seems, what has been years now, and uh, definitely a fan favorite wherever he has played, particularly in St. John's with the Ice Caps, and that is one Mr. Bobby Farnham. Thank you so much for joining us, Bobby. It's, it's great to catch up with you. 
Uh, thank you for having me. I know you said we've been friends for you know a few years now. You know it's great to hear your guys' voice. It's great to you know be on with you guys. I want to first. I, I think I'm going to first ask you. Um, you know, the big almost elephant in the room when anyone talks about hockey right now is the the current state of hockey. Given, um, you know, there's there's the two sides of it. There's the safety precautions that now have to be put in place for for anyone who's trying to return to play, um, and for for players in the off season who are trying to stay in game good game shape and and good physical conditioning. But also just the uncertainty of of how every league from the NHL to to the AHL, ECHL, junior hockey, European leagues, you name it, how they're going to to continue for next season and what that's going to look like. So I guess my first question for you is really um how are you managing that as a hockey as, as a hockey player you know is it is it difficult to maintain a, a training and conditioning regimen and and what's you know in fact even just this week you know we heard not that this is something a, a position that you're in but Matt Niskanen just an- announced his retirement yesterday partially because he just didn't want to deal with the the uncertainty um, you know, he was at a point in his career when he's like, you know what, I, the uncertainty is just too much and, and I'd rather just be home with my family. So what is it like juggling all of that and, and how are you approaching things? Yeah, I think uncertainty is obviously a word that has, you know, <laughs> has been all of 2020. But, um, you know, I think every hockey player, no matter uh, whether if you're overseas, you're playing the NHL, AHL, I mean, everyone's affected by this in some capacity. And, you know, living in uncertainty isn't always an easy thing to do so it's um you know i know for me i was over you know playing my eighth professional season in belfast last year season got canceled and we kind of left and everyone's thinking okay this is you know you know this is we have this virus going around but nobody knew anything about it and then but like next season will be fine and then recently they canceled you know the the league's called the eihl they canceled that league pretty much um for next season and you know, they were able to get in the NHL playoffs this year, but like what's going to happen from here on out. So it's hard to predict, but I think all, you know, um, all you can really do is try to, you know, maintain and stay in shape, you know, how you can and, and do what you can. But, but, you know, for me, that's this summer, I definitely took a little step back and did my workouts and did things like that. But you have to kind of tell yourself that you can only control so much in this world that is, um, you know, complete crapshoot right now mm-hmm. so in, in saying that you know for me I don't know you know what next year holds for me I'm waiting to see um and but I'm also you know being 31 years old now having had eight one-year contracts I think uncertainty is one of those things that I've learned to deal uh you know deal with over the years and then we'll see what happens from here well, that's a that's a that's a good outlook on it, and 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 that certainly is that certainly is true. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of when you're living contract to contract throughout your career, it's um, you know, uncertainty is something is an is an adversity that you've you've kind of learned to cope with. So, um, kind of shifting from from now and going backwards a little bit, let's go back before your pro time. Uh, you know, you played four years of of Division One of Division One NCAA hockey at Brown. One of the things that Rick and I and all of us here at Rocket Sports really like to to discuss is, um, you know, life before professional hockey and getting prepared and player development. Um, and of course, you know, it's it's a very popular route for players uh, to go and play junior uh, in the CHL. But but the NCAA over the years has become really a competitive league um, and and has done a lot to prepare players to to make that transition to the professional game. What did spending that time at Brown do for you in terms of your development and getting you prepared to play professional hockey? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. I think, I think for some guys, and, you know, obviously I was not one of those players that was, you know, going to be a, a high draft pick or anything like that. I wasn't, you know, junior teams, major junior teams weren't knocking down my door to uh, go up there and play for them. Um, first and foremost, but I think some guys, you know, are, are, are ready a lot sooner than others. And I think for me, in my four years at Brown, I was, um, I really needed all four years. And I really thought I improved, you know, with my coaches and with my teammates and just being a little bit older and graduating at 22, 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, 
being more mentally and physically prepared for professional hockey. So my path um, with those all four years, uh, I thought really worked out for me. Um, but not everyone is necessarily like that. That's why you see some guys in college hockey now who will leave early when they're ready. But I just think it's um, it's one thing, you know, even even the schooling side of it too, just like juggling a lot of different stuff just helped me prepare life-wise for, you know, the, the rigors of professional hockey. A lot of the mental components that you had to learn as you went in pro hockey because it was vastly different. But for me, those four years were, were all crucial. And you got your degree from from Brown. Uh, you may not have been a high draft pick, but you were uh, a high academic achiever, and you were named uh, to the NCAA All Academic Team. Um, and it's you said that that uh, you learned some lessons to prepare you for life. Um, at some stage, uh, maybe not now, but sometime in the future, uh, there's going to be that transition to after hockey. And and uh, over the yeah. past few weeks, we've had a number of. Uh, people on the show, Mike Weaver, uh, uh, former NHL, or Brian Prop, talking about how difficult that transition was. Have Have you given thought to that and and tried to prepare yourself uh, for that? It's another great question too, because I feel like when you start seeing, you know, the kind of the end of the line. But first of all, hockey players, I think in general, are very they're goal oriented, they're focused, and you want to you want to get here to here to here, and eventually, you know, that goal is the NHL. So, like, as you're playing, you're very, you're very um, tunnel vision for what you're doing. And mm-hmm. the, the life after hockey is a conversation maybe you have at a glance, but it's not something you ever really want to think about. And I think I've just kind of, like, the last year, I've started to, like, grasp it a bit more. And But I've had a number of conversations with, uh, you know, a good friend of mine, it's Harry Zolnerchuk, who has uh, transitioned. And then I've, I've talked to, I was on the phone with like, Lee Stempniak the other day, who had a similar, you know, kind of like he went to Dartmouth and had his pro career, very unbelievable career. But like he, we were just kind of picking each other brains, each other's brains on like life after hockey and where you go. Do you want to stay in the game? But like how do you ever, you know, the question that always gets brought up is how do you ever do something that you're as passionate about as professional hockey? And so like, how does anything ever going to be as good? Um, and that's just something that, I'm, I'm still probably trying to grasp as, as we move forward. And I've thought about more schooling, a uh, possible business degree. I've thought about staying in the game. I've shadowed a couple buddies at their jobs in Boston just to get a feel for different things. And I think that's, that's really, that's really all you, you know, all you can do. And then hopefully, you know, and hopefully I, I still have more to learn myself, but hopefully, you know, you take the time and you have your due diligence to figure out the path that you want to do. And I think you also have to have a little bend, don't break too. Cause maybe you try something mm-hmm. that doesn't quite work out or doesn't really, you know, suit you. And maybe you have to switch, you know, again, or maybe you try to go outside of hockey and you miss hockey and you come back to it. So like, I, I think I'm very open to multiple things. I just think, make sure you have to have, you know, plenty of conversations spread out throughout a number of things that you're interested in. And that's, that's, that's my take on it. Now you mentioned passion. There's no question. Uh, anyone who's seen you play, you play with passion. Uh, and I think, uh, that's one of the ways that you've been able to connect, uh, so strongly with the fans, uh, fans and media. I, I, I look back to, um, you know, our rocket sports, uh, writer, uh, Joseph Whalen, when he saw you, his, his word uh, in the article he wrote about you three years ago was relentless. And you fast forward to, um, uh, Belfast where you were named, uh, the uh, fan favorite player, and they talked about you being unyielding, uh, no nonsense. The, the, the relentless kind of uh, continues, and and um, that and I, I also was amused when uh, when I read that uh, there was a banner uh, in uh, in the arena that said, uh, "Girls don't like boys. Girls like Bobby Farnham." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, how, how, I, don't know. You know, I don't know I can't I can't tell you the validity of that one but I don't think that's not true but, but uh, you have such a powerful connection with fans in so many different uh, cities for so many different teams uh, is it that relentless style of play is that what you think uh, connects you with the fans um, 
I think so. I think it was a, a you know, a, a, a style that people gravitated towards. And I kind of came in during the, the agitator type of era, you know what I mean? And then I hooked on with an organization like Pittsburgh, who is phenomenal in so, like, so many ways. And those, the, the people in Wilkes-Barre and Pittsburgh, you know, you know, pretty much welcomed me with open arms. And then I just tried to keep doing the same, same thing. Um, everywhere I went, this is like, the, the advice I was given, you know, going into pro hockey is, you know, like you can adapt and you have to grow as a player in, in different, different ways. And, and, you know, the game started moving towards more of a skill base and you can, you have to work on that. But like what, it, whatever got me to where I needed to get was, you know, that relentless, the way Joseph, you know, described it, you know, when, when he, uh, when he wrote about it, you know, I always appreciative of that, but he, you know, picked up the style of play. Um, is that relentless nature though, you know, that compete, you know, and there's a big difference between, you know, I used to say like between working hard and then competing too. And then there's that, and there's a big difference between those two, I think. And just relentless nature to compete and just, I mean, I throw, I, I love the adrenaline rush. Like I love the fans too. So like it's, that's a two way street as well. So like when I, would go in there flying in and try to hit someone or, or miss them and hit the glass. And you heard the, the fans or whatever. Like I loved it. I also loved like, and I wish I scored more goals in my career, but like, I love scoring goals. I love celebrating, you know, with the fans um, and all that too. So that was a, a big two way street. And that was a huge motivator for me as well. And you immersed yourself in whatever uh, community you were in, uh, in Springfield. You were named the uh, AHL specialty man for your uh, contributions to the community, but you seemed to do that everywhere you, you went. Um, I, I, I think that's an important part of playing professional hockey. I think that's something, don't, like, don't take it kind of for granted. I think that you know, wherever you're playing, you should kind of immerse yourself into, you know, what's going on in, 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 Bel- in, in Belfast, um, you can, if you just know the history there, just the, you know, the Protestant Catholic, the whole, the IRA, the whole mm-hmm. class that they had there and the premise behind why that team is there to bring a neutral sport, a neutral color into a stadium, you know, and so everyone's under the stadium rooting for a team under no affiliation whatsoever is a huge thing as well. So I just think in knowing where you're at and the relationships you were able able to make through professional hockey are kind of the ones that go the furthest, quite honestly. And like, uh, like I always say is you'll never, you're never, um, you never, you know, once you retire and you hang them up, I mean, no kid's ever going to really come up to you and ask for an autograph again. But when you're in it, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So I just think that, <laughs> that you always have to be cognizant of that too. Absolutely. You know, as Rick mentioned, over the course of your career so far, you've you've played uh, in a few different places and and some of them um, have been pretty unique and I and I know even um, back at, towards towards the end of of the Montreal organization having a place in St. John's, I know you had even briefly d- talked about talked with us about this, but just to, if you can describe what it's meant to you to get to play uh, and live in, in places like St. John's, Newfoundland, and, and even this past year in Belfast, those have to be two very unique experiences for you as a hockey player. Absolutely. And from a life perspective, the people that you met, and I always go back to that, the people that you meet throughout these experiences are just like, second to none is that you can't put a price tag on, you know, these experiences and playing in St. John's is so special and maybe the most unique, quite honestly, Hmm. because you play in this place and it's just, I've gone up there on road trips and stuff and, you know, we'd play a couple games, we'd go out with the guys, like this place is cool, but like the the team up there, you know, that year was a special team and, and the people you meet around the team, you know, like Jim and Andrew and all those people that work for the team, like just, it's just, uh, it was a special place and it was a really re- rewarding experience, you know, and it was a year for me where I had just come off the full NHL season. I wanted to be in the NHL and, you know, and I didn't play that many games in the NHL that year, but there's a reason and a purpose, you know, for playing in St. John's and having, and having that season and that year. Cause it was, it was, it was so special. You know, some of the hikes you get to go on and just going up to signal Hill and just the weather together, you know, I'll never forget. <laughs> 
just like somebody describing it as being on a, on a ship in the middle of the North Atlantic. And I was like, that's, that's about right. And I remember <laughs> trying to put on some nicer, some nicer clothes for a game one day. And, uh, I was like, you know what? The, the sun's out. I'm going to, I'm going to wear a little nicer suit. And it's not frigid. I go and I, and I go to do my tie up in the bathroom. I come back out and it's just a complete nor'easter. <laughs> I come back out and I just, I go back to the, I go back to the snowsuit instead and, uh, for the walk down to the rink, but it was, um, such a cool place. And I think you can take a lot away from each place, you know, that I always had the opportunity to play for different reasons. I have to ask just, uh, as an aside, which location had the, uh, thicker accent to decipher St. John's or Belfast? <laughs> Oh God, that's a tough question. I just think, I just think, I think I was young. I think that a really thick Newfie accent is just—you'll never get it. But they're they're close. <laughs> they're they're close, and they, you know, and they have a lot of the same kind of. So I feel like I was more ready for the Belfast one after having spent it a year in Newfoundland, but um. But uh, they're they're both tough. You got to work on it, and then you start counting like them by the end of the season, which is the other funny part. <laughs> I th- I guess to wrap up here a little bit, Bobby. Just overall, um, you know, for 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 the listeners of this show. Uh, who are most acquainted with you, uh, those would be uh, those who are fans of the Montreal Canadiens. And can you just describe briefly for us what it meant for you to be part of the Montreal organization, such a storied franchise uh, in the NHL? Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned this. I was just telling my dad I had this podcast today, and I just, I mean, every NHL team that you play for is an accomplishment. It's unbelievable. And I am forever grateful for those three games I played for Montreal because to have that sweater, and I grew up a Bruins fan too, but to have the, the Montreal sweater in the in the garage um, is really is really neat for me. First of all, I think it's one of the best looking ones out there. I despised them growing up, but <laughs> to actually be able to wear it and play, and play and play for them is, you know, I was trying to think about it. It's like one of the coolest things. Um, that you know that that I I got to experience in my career playing you know playing there as a competitor, but also playing and wearing that sweater um, in a home game um, was so cool to me. So that that experience, and I also think that you know playing in Montreal is is special in so many ways. And the fans are so loyal and so passionate, and that you know that show showed every single game every single night, even with how they followed the American Hockey League team and their prospects, and it was just a a special place all around. So I really appreciated my time and experience there. Well, I know that the fans uh, appreciated your hard work and your passion uh, while while there, uh, and in addition to everywhere that you've played. Uh, and we just couldn't be happier to have gotten a chance to catch up with you and hear that things are going well for you. Um, and we just continue, continue to wish you nothing but success. And uh, hopefully all of the uncertainty <laughs> works itself out soon and we can see you back on the ice again soon. Well, I'm a perpetual optimist, so I'm sure that will I'm sure that will work out. You know, work itself out. But it was great to talk to you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, great thanks to so talk much. To you. Thanks so much for joining us. On the other side of this break, we are going to head into our second segment, which uh, we will go around the AHL. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. 
Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report. Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And be sure, once again, you're following us on Twitter at the AHL Report or at the Flyers Report. Uh, and just want to say one more thank you uh, once again to Bobby Farnham for taking this some time out of his busy schedule to join us this week. Um, here's hoping that... Uh, Next hockey season will work itself out very soon. Um, in this final segment, we go beyond the AHL. And interestingly enough, um, you know, Rick, we talked about how at the draft, Gary Bettman has announced that the NHL is now targeting January 1st as a start as a potential start date. Um, we know that prior to that, the ECHL and the AHL had targeted December 4th as a start date when it was believed that the NHL would be starting uh, earlier. So now... Uh, you know, the AHL has always said uh, that they will follow the construct of what the NHL does. So I expect we'll see the AHL's start potential start date pushed back as well. However, the ECHL has announced their return to play for the 2021 season. Um, and they have announced that they will commence on December 11th under a split season format. What does that mean? Well, there were there are 13 teams who will start a 72-game season on December 11th. Then there will be all the remaining ECHL teams will start a 62-game season on January 15th upon jurisdictional approval, depending on what city they're located in. Um, one team will not be included. The Atlantic Gladiators have elected a voluntary suspension of the entire season upcoming, so all of their players are immediately free agents. But, Rick, this is a very interesting approach, <laughs> to say the least. It is. This isn't a target date. This is, I mean, the, the press release is very specific. We will commence our season on de December 11th. So um they're they're making a big uh leap of faith mm -hmm. uh both the league and the players um and uh they're going to try to put together um a 72 game season and a 62 game season and of course uh to work things out it'll be the same as the AHL does with uh, points percentage but um you know we We've seen so many um, difficulties with with sports, uh, wh whether it be Major League Baseball or the NFL, uh, with cancellations of games and and positive tests for players. And the only the only sport uh, that's been able to be successful and play the games has been the NHL. But that was under a bubble. Um, this is not a bubble format for the ECHL. No. Um, so, w you know, uh, this we'll, we'll have to wait and see uh, how this all works out. But they're, they're boldly going forward and, um, and hoping that uh, conditions and, and the health uh, of, of everyone will be uh, of a sort that they can, they can uh, live up to the promise that they've made to their fans. 
Absolutely. It's also still yet to be determined what level of, of ticket sales or fans will be permitted in the buildings. Uh, it's not specified in the press release. Uh, it could be that it, that that also will be determined, kind of like football is right now, that it will be determined on a city-by-city basis. Uh, Flyers fans, you'll have to wait until January. Uh, the Reading Royals are one of the teams not cleared to begin in December on the 11th. So uh, looking for the state of Pennsylvania the city of Reading to give them the go ahead uh, for a January 15th start date. Um, interestingly, now the ECHL regular season will conclude on June 6th, 2021. Um, so we'll be in the summertime again. Uh, and that's if everything goes according to plan, which we know if we've learned anything in 2020, it's that nothing will go according to plan. So <laughs> you can you can bank on that. Um and we'll continue to keep you posted as well. We have not heard any updates from the AHL. Uh, as we've said before, the AHL is a much more fluid situation, and frankly, the ECHL as well. But it's going to really depend on ticket sales for the AHL uh, and and what the NHL's true return to play plan will be. Uh, so we'll we'll keep our finger on that and, and pass along the information as we find it. Um, so before I get to... Well, actually, no, I will start with our feel-good finale. Um, and our feel-good finale is coming to us from Canada, believe it or not. Sure. In British Columbia, out in BC, mm-hmm. there was a young boy who couldn't go to sleep because he was afraid of the dark. I think that's something a lot of people can relate to. A lot That happens for lots of kids. He thought there could be monsters, and he was afraid of the dark. Well, his local, the folks at his local shopper's drug mart found out about this. And I have in front of me a photo with with his, you know, name and personal information blocked out. But I have a photo of the custom pharmacy prescription label that Shop Drop, Shopper's Drug Mart printed out to put on a plastic spray bottle And the prescription says, spray around bedroom at night before bedtime and repeat if needed. And it says monster spray. Monster spray. Monster spray. (laughs) We needed some of that after the draft. (laughs) There was that one park that there were some monstrous looking people. When the shopper's drug mark found out, they made a prescription especially for him. And so he can spray Mm. all the monsters away, eats prescription strength. Nicely done. Getting rid of the monsters. You know? These are the things. You got to do these things for kids. You got to. The other thing you have to do is be sure that you don't miss a single episode of The Press Zone. Um, This was a great episode today. Uh, We had a great player interview today. Uh, Slight spoiler alert, you're not going to want to miss next week's show. We've got a terrific player interview coming for you next week. You are not going to want to miss it, believe me. Um, And so, Rick, if people want to be sure that they get notifications when we have a new show, if they want to catch up on old ones, if they happen to miss them, what's the best way for them to do that? Subscribe. Just subscribe to the app you're listening to, uh, even if you're on on the website. And the website is AHL report.com, you'll find uh, a little subscribe button on the player. So subscribe and you'll be sure to get every single episode um, delivered to you. uh, And uh, on what we're on all of the, the uh, platforms. So whichever one you prefer, uh, be sure to to search for the press zone and subscribe. If you've missed, um, you know, a a bunch of them and you want to go back and, and find them, ThePressZone.com. ThePressZone.com will take you to all of the back episodes that are on AHLReport.com. Perfect. And of course, uh, you don't want to miss the Canadians Connection either. So on your favorite podcast platform, just search for Rocket Sports Radio and uh, you'll find the uh, weekly podcast on Saturdays between uh, Rick and Joseph Whalen. That's got a complete Montreal Canadiens focus. You won't want to miss that either. And uh, we're just so happy you're here with us still. Just because it's the off season, you know the drill. 
Off-season does not mean off-season for Rocket Sports. We'll be here every week bringing you the latest news, analysis, and some great interviews that you don't want to miss. We've got uh, really special guests, uh, really great special guests lined up uh, coming up here shortly. So including next week. So be sure you're back here. Uh, Rick, thanks so much uh, for everything. And we all here at Rocket Sports, uh, big shout out to to all of the team members at Rocket Sports uh, with with coverage and feedback and analysis and so forth through the draft and free agency last week. It was a busy week. And uh, and be, belated Thanksgiving to uh, yes. our listeners and um, and to our, our Rocket Sports staff and Columbus Day in the States. Uh, we're very grateful. We're very thankful that, that you listen in every week. And uh, we'd be grateful, too, if you could uh, pass the word on uh, to fellow f- hockey fans and uh, let them know th- what you listen to and, and that you think they should listen to. Absolutely. And we want to see you back here next week. So have, en- have a great week. Uh, enjoy the first week of the, of the real off season. And we'll see you back here again next Tuesday for another fantastic episode of The Press Zone. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.